are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So there are days when I come in and I, and I preach that I, I think it's interesting. I ask you to go with me back to words that uh, describe an event that took place over 2,600 years ago. I mean, some of you are so young that you cannot remember life without Facebook. And that was only invented 12 years ago. And so when I ask you to go back 2,600 years ago, it may feel or seem impossible. In the Middle Eastern part of the world, in a little nation that is called Judah, the people of God have now been torn in two. And there's the nation of Israel on the north and the nation of Judah on the south. And guess what happens? They get a new king. Albeit, he's only eight years old, but he is the king. His name is Josiah. And because you and I are just coming off the heels of a presidential election, and only five days ago we realized who our new president is going to be, I think we can relate to them and the focus that we have on thinking about what a new national leader will be like, right? And so they've got a new king. Here's what the Bible says about Josiah, okay? As it looks over the way that he led the nation of Judah, it says this, He did right in the eyes of God. And he did not drift to the left and he did not drift to the right. So we're in this conversation in this season right now as a church where we're talking about the paths that we choose in life determine our destinations, right? And so what the Word of God is saying is that Josiah chose a path. And the path that he chose was this. He said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get on the path that is right in the eyes of God. I'm not going to the right. I'm not going to the left. I'm going to do what's right in the eyes of God. The nation had really good days. But when he's only in his 40s, he is killed in battle and he dies. His son Jehoiakim becomes the king. And Jehoiakim says, I'm not going to be like my daddy. I'm not choosing the same path that he chose because when I look around, I see all of these other nations and they worship these other gods and I think I want to see what these other gods have to offer us. And so he becomes involved in pagan practices. And so Jehoiakim also chooses a path, okay? But it was not right in the eyes of God. Now, there was a prophet and his name is Jeremiah. When he was really young, God spoke to Jeremiah and he said, Jeremiah, when you were in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I determined that you would be a prophet to the nations. And so this young man, Jeremiah, comes out and stands against the king. And he says to the king, you've chosen a very destructive path. And it's going to cost the nation a lot. And so Jehoiakim says, I'm not hearing what you have to say. And he puts him in prison. But from prison, Jeremiah keeps preaching against the king. And so he puts him in a cistern. I don't want to hear any more. And he continues to lead the nation down a very destructive path. Now, it's 2016, right? We're sitting here in church on Sunday morning at Bethany First Church of the Nazarene in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And I think there's some questions we got to deal with. How does it happen that people get on a very destructive path? 
And I think the answer is because the decisions that we make today are connected to the destinations we arrive at in the future. So I've been trying to recite this language to you in this book that I've been trying to get you to read. And the language goes something like this. Direction determines destination every time. I always end up where the road that I've chosen takes me. And here's what I think happens. We sometimes listen to the wrong voices. So I'm going to say something, but I'm going to tell you in advance that it might sting a little bit. Here goes. The reason we end up in places we never intended to go is because the heart is deceitful. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. What are you saying? I'm saying the heart is deceitful. Whoa, whoa, wait. Whose heart is deceitful? My heart is deceitful. Your heart is deceitful. Now, I'm not making that up. I'm just quoting Scripture, okay? In fact, I would love for you to write this down, okay? You're telling me, Rick, that my heart has the power to deceive me and lead me down a destructive path. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Your heart, my heart, has the ability to deceive us and lead us down a very destructive path. And I want to give you a verse of Scripture, just one verse. It's in the book of Jeremiah, this prophet, chapter 17, verse 9. Now, I would love, like I asked you last week, I would love for you to write it down. I would love for you to grab your sermon, uh, your worship folder that you received when you came in. I would love you to open it to this page. And I would love for you to write this one verse down. If you don't write it down, I am not going to pray that bad things happen to you. I will not even be mad at you, okay? But I would love... For you to write it down. You know what I'd love for you to do? I would love for you to memorize it this week. I would love for you to have this verse in your heart the rest of your life. I believe this verse of Scripture can change your life. That's the power of God's Word. So here's the verse. Okay, write it down. It's probably on the screen for you too here in a minute. But it simply says this. The heart is deceitful above all else. The heart is deceitful above all else, beyond cure, period. Who can understand it, question mark? The heart is deceitful, above all else, beyond cure. Who can understand it? So, you ready to dig in? I'm ready to go. Let me tell you a story, okay? So, when I was living in Cincinnati, there was a young girl who attended our church. And uh, she began to make choices that her family believed were destructive choices. So you say, what kind of choices was she making? Well, let me tell you what the choices looked and sounded like, okay? She, she quit hanging around Christian friends that she knew through her church. In fact, she went through a season of her life where she hung around no Christian friends, okay? The second thing that she did was she quit attending church, the church where I pastored there. She just stopped coming. She didn't come anymore. And the third thing that she did was she moved in with her boyfriend. They began to live together. And so her family is, is concerned. 
and they're wanting everybody to talk to her, everybody to pray with her. Uh, they didn't see this one coming. It just didn't seem like this would be the path that she would choose. And, and I remember meeting with her myself, and I remember sitting down talking with her, and I remember saying, you know, your family is really concerned. I know. And I remember challenging her about some choices she had made in as much love as I could. And finally, finally, here's what she says to me. You ready? She says, I know you're a Christian. And I know you follow Jesus. But I'm a Christian too. We just don't believe the same things. I remember saying, can we, can we get a Bible and talk about some of this? I, I don't want to do that because I know you're a preacher and I know you study the Bible and you could out argue me if we argued. I don't want to do that. I'm just telling you that I'm following Jesus. I just know that we just don't believe the same things. And so after I moved here and she got married, I heard that she had prayed to accept Jesus' forgiveness for her sins. And I heard that she started going to a church. And I got to talk to her. And I said, it's pretty exciting to hear what's going on in your life. She says, isn't it great? And I said, okay, I got to talk to you. I got to ask you a question, okay? So those conversations that we had, where you told me that you were following Jesus, we just didn't believe the same things. I mean, you still believe that? She said, no. I said, did you believe it then? She said, I, I don't know. She said, let me just tell you what it boils down to, okay? Here's what was happening. I was trying to justify what I wanted to do. There was a life that I really wanted to live, and I lived it for a little while, and I was trying to find a way to justify the life that I was wanting to live. I was trying to make it sound and seem okay. It was what I wanted. And the only reason, the only reason in the world that we are standing here today talking about this verse is because that all of us, every one of us in the room, know what it is for our hearts to lead us down a path that is very destructive and then try to justify the decisions that we're making. All of us understand that. So you've got this young prophet named Jeremiah and, and Jeremiah is struggling. And in chapter 1, he, he is speaking to the people on the behalf of God and says, what, what did I do? Why, what fault did you find in me, God says, that you would stray so far away from me that you would go worship these other gods. What, what's that all about anyway? And Jeremiah has the task of trying to understand what is happening to a nation of people that they would take another path other than do what was right in the eyes of God. And finally, finally he comes to a conclusion. You ready for the conclusion? I'm going to say it and you repeat it after me, okay? The heart of the problem is the heart of the people. That's what Jeremiah says it is. I've decided that I figured out what's wrong. I know why you're on a different path. Because the heart of the problem is the heart of the people. So when, when he speaks, he says things like this. Oh, Jerusalem, wash the evil from your hearts. 
He says these people have rebellious and stubborn hearts. I mean, this is all through the book of Jeremiah. He says, you know what these people have done? They have listened to the inclination of their stubborn, evil hearts. And so over and over again, he says, I have figured out what is wrong. And what is wrong is your heart. Your heart is deceitful and your heart is leading you astray. Now, we got to talk about that for a few minutes, okay? So, Rick, you're, you're saying that, that my heart deceives me and leads me down destructive paths. Yes, just like the girl that I talked to you about at my church a moment ago. And she began to believe in her heart maybe that the life she was living was right in the eyes of God. But deep down in her heart she says, how could it not have been sin? The reason there is tension in the room right now is because in our society we live by a totally different narrative. And here's the narrative. Follow your heart and you'll never be sorry. Trust your heart. You know you can always trust your heart. If you trust your heart, it will never lead you astray. I mean, that's the narrative that we live by. A narrative that says all you have to do is just go with your heart and you'll never be sad if you go with your heart. You'll never be sorry. And the only problem with that narrative is that it's not biblical. It's not scriptural. And it's not truth. Do you know what the biblical narrative is? Follow God and you'll be glad you did. Trust God. He won't lead you astray. But what Jeremiah is saying is that your heart will lead you astray. And so I think we should talk about that for a few minutes and kind of develop that idea some, okay? Now that you understand that truth, I think we can move forward in making decisions. So in the book I've been challenging you to read, Andy Stanley tells a story about the fact that he and his wife found this piece of land that they really wanted, and so they bought it. He said, then we decided to build a house on this piece of land. And we looked through lots of plans, and we finally came up with this house that we wanted. We built this incredible home. And he said, not long after we built the home, we began to hear people say to us, I saw your house. Wow. That is a really nice house. And people would say, hey, we drove by, and somebody told us that was your home up there on that hill. That's a big home you guys built. Everywhere I turn, people are saying, I heard about your house. And we became a little conscious about everybody's comments about how big our house was and how nice our house was. And people were saying, hey, somebody told me they were in your house and it's really nice. And finally, we began to respond like this. Yeah. Thanks so much. The reason we built that house is because we love to entertain for the sake of ministry. And we wanted to have people into the home. And so we do small groups in our house every Sunday night. And we really wanted to build a house that would work great, would work great for ministry. And so that's why we built the house like that. We wanted it for ministry. And he said, finally, every time somebody would say, wow, nice house, Andy, his response was, yeah, you know, we wanted to build a house that would be great for entertaining and for ministry. 
One day he said, I just dropped the whole charade. And I just got honest with myself. And I said one day to myself, the reason we built this house is because we wanted it. It's what our hearts desire. That's it, period. Do we use our home for ministry? Yes. Do we like to entertain? We do. Is that why we built the house? No. We built the house because we wanted it. And he says, what happens is, we make decisions based on our hearts. And then we give our brains the responsibility of justifying our decisions. You like that? What we do is we make decisions with our hearts. And then we give our brains the responsibility of justifying our decisions. I don't think there's anything wrong with building a big house. But I think the question is, what happens when our hearts want something that is not good for us? Okay, hang on. Here's a bad one. What happens when our hearts want something that is not right in the eyes of God? And we come to this place of saying, am I going to be honest with myself about my heart? I stood here last Sunday and I waved this red flag all over the place. And I talked about as we're going down the path of life, we see red flags. But sometimes we ignore the red flags. And the reason we do is because we've already decided, I know what I want. And I'm ignoring the danger signals. I financed a 60-inch smart television Ignoring the red flags that this is not good financial management of my money because I wanted a television. So what happens with what I want in my heart is not good for me? Or better still, what happens if what I want with my heart is not what is right in God's eyes? There's the struggle. So... Um, my wife Annette and I, she's here and we don't always agree on everything. You know, if that troubles you, you should just go you there for and be bothered, you know, because we're just regular people. We're, we're like you guys, you know, I know I'm a pastor, but we're pretty much normal people. I guess it determines who's defining normal, but we're, we're like everybody else and we get in disagreements. And so sometimes I want to do something or I think this is a good decision or I like the idea and that disagrees. And I hate it because, you know, I'm not being modest. 99.9% of the time she's right. I never get to be right in our relationship and I hate that. But, but we will argue about something or I want to make a decision or I want to do this and I want to, and Annette does not agree. And so finally, we're trying to work through this and finally Annette, I hate it when she does this, but she will say to me, okay, Rick, let's just do this, okay? Let's suppose that you have a couple who comes to your office tomorrow to counsel with you. And they present the same scenario to you. What advice would you give them? And it's in that moment that I just say, I sense a bad spirit in the room and I'm going to leave. You know? I don't want to be a part of what's happening right here. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's ugly. You know? Okay, perk up. You ready? Here we go. 
When I am not being led around on a leash by my heart, I make really sound decisions. You might write that down. When I am not being led around on a leash by my heart, I make very sound decisions. Most of the time, I'm just led around on a leash by my wife, and that seems to work much, much, much better. (laughs) Seriously, when you take your heart out of it, because your heart is deceitful, and it will lead you astray. You know, I've preached for a few minutes, and we have yet to hear any good news, right? So if you're preaching the gospel, there has to be good news in the sermon. I went to a funeral yesterday, and um, I've come to a place. Yeah, that's the good news, right? <laughs> Bad timing. I've come, to, I've come to a place where I've decided that going to funerals is a good practice for me. All right? We talk about practices. This is a good practice. Sometimes, somehow when I go to fun- whether I'm involved in the funeral or just go to attend, I, I seem to really gather what's important at funerals in, in my mind in, in regard to my life. It's just, it's just good therapy for me to go to funerals. You might try it. Counsel your visit to the psychiatrist and just try you know, going to a funeral. It might help. And so Mary Evelyn Miller had passed away. So you should have heard what they said about this lady. You know what's interesting to me is I believe it was true. Sometimes we can add things on at funerals. I don't think they added anything on. I think they just got up and told the truth. This great legacy that she leaves behind, this elderly lady, the saint of God. So I'm sitting there in a funeral listening to them talk about this wonderful woman. All true. And I thought to myself, you know, when God spoke through his prophet Jeremiah and said the heart is deceitful, I'm pretty sure he was talking about Mary Evelyn Miller's heart. So how how did all this work out? How does she leave such a great legacy? How does she become such an incredible person? See, some of you are sitting here going, Rick, you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like to me you're trying to say that the human race are not basically good people. I think you're catching on. I believe in the theological doctrine of original sin. I believe we are bent toward selfishness. If you struggle with that, hang out with a toddler. But the same... God who spoke through Jeremiah and said the heart is deceitful, the same God spoke through Jeremiah and said, but I will give them a heart to know me and I will give them singleness of heart so that they will always fear me. I can't fix my heart, but God can powerfully change my heart. That's the good news. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into our world who gave his life on a cross as a ransom for all the junk in my heart to give me a heart of flesh and take away my heart of stone. Change my heart, God. Amen? Amen. So it's going to feel awkward for a minute, but you'll get used to it. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Kyle and the guys, they're going to come back up and gals. And 
But for the first couple of minutes, um, all there's going to be is just some music in the room. That's it. Just very light music, okay? And, and while that music is, is there, I want you to do this in response to God's Word today. I want you just to maybe just sit in silence. It might be good for most of us if we closed our eyes just to kind of block a lot of stuff out, right? And just reflect on Jeremiah 17, 9. And, and there's some of you who would say this morning, Rick, I have a story and it's not a good story. It's a story where I followed my heart. And it's a big regret in my life. If I could erase it, if I could delete it, if I could undo anything in the world, that's what I would undo. And if you ask me, then why did you do it? I would tell you because it's what I wanted to do in that moment in my heart. See, if I said to you this morning, like, why did you sin? There's only one answer. Because I wanted to in that moment. That's what my heart wanted. And there's new truth today. I can't follow my heart. I can only follow God. I can't trust my heart. I can only trust God. And so I think maybe it's a time of reflecting about the past. I think it's also a time of reflecting about now. And maybe you would say, in these next few moments, I'm just going to focus on where I am right now in my life. And I've been following my heart. And it's not taking me where I should be. And I must change my thinking. And I must follow God in this moment. So just a few minutes here. To be silent, to reflect, to pray, to think. It might help if you just close your eyes, talk to God.
in this place. Thank you for leading us and guiding us. Would you guide our hearts as we go from this place today? Would you receive this blessing today? May the Lord shine his face upon you. May he turn his countenance toward you as you are on your path seeking his heart. May he give you grace on the path. You are dismissed. Thank you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.